0: Welcome back to Raise the Apple, everyone. We got a lot to talk about, as usual. The Mets finish a double header sweep of the Rockies today, winning 3 of 4 from Colorado, which is awesome, remaining in first place, back to 4 games over 500. I mean, granted, it's the Rockies, but you still got to take what you can get, considering this weekend Atlanta comes into town, and then they head back out on the road to play Arizona, who has now lost 10 straight, and then they face off with the Padres for the first time this year. Which, that should be a great series to watch. I'm excited to watch that. But, DeGrom came back, was great in his first start back. Uh, Stroman and sorry, Lucchesi started the second game today. They were both solid. Uh, Stroman went 6 shutout innings. And a classic one nothing thing. for. But that the doubleheaders, the 7-inning doubleheaders... I don't know if I've said it before on here if I'm like in favor of them or hate them, but I'm all I'm hopping on the I hate them train because these guys are professional athletes. They're not 10 years old. They don't need to be playing seven-inning games anymore. I think personally, this may come across as sounding harsh maybe or mean. I don't know how it may come across, but I think that I don't know if it's the players themselves that are saying or doing these things, or if it's the coaches, or if it's analytics taking over the game. But I think baseball is get play, or I don't want to single out the players, because I don't know if it's them making these decisions or not. You're get, getting a little soft, I guess for lack of a better word. And again, I don't know if it's the players that make these decisions or the coaches or the front office staff or the analytics. It all depends on what each team. Each team is different. But like DeGrom on, what's today, Thursday? So DeGrom on Tuesday, because yesterday got postponed. On Tuesday when DeGrom came back, he was pitching great, had five innings, uh, one run, the McMahon homer, was in a groove after that, and he was at, Fifty some, sixty some pitches in the fifth inning, and Luis Rojas took him out. Now I don't know if, you know, obviously there's reasons for that. I was, I would assume, you know, Degrom coming back, you're not going anywhere without Degrom. You need to keep him safe, treat him with kid gloves. But it was weird because before the game, Luis Rojas said, "There's no, he doesn't have a pitch count or anything with Degrom." which caused me to believe that this decision may have come from the front office saying hey take him out now we're going to treat him we're going to ease him back in treat him with kid gloves whatever the case may be but i th- i just don't like the the i don't want to say i don't i can't think of another word besides babying these guys i mean they are professional athletes there's a reason less than 1% of people make it to this point You know, they're the best at what they do. I hate when guys are throwing... You know, Nolan Ryan and all these other... Like, way back, Walter Johnson, all these other historic pitchers who will go down as some of the greatest ever. They were throwing 120 to 150, 150 pitches daily or on short rest or every single fifth day when they went out there. They were throwing upwards of 120, 130, 140 pitches. Nowadays... You never, you rarely see anyone going over 100 pitches anymore. And it's, I mean, granted, injuries have risen, like, steadily gotten higher over the years. You know, guys are more prone to getting injured than they were before. Why that's the case, I personally have no idea. Maybe there's some, like, scientific reason or anything, something like that as to why that happens, but... I don't know. I just think we're getting a little in general. I'm not saying this directly at the Mets. I'm speaking in terms of like in the entire sport of Major League Baseball. I think we're getting a little too soft with how pitchers go. You know, I think it's a little too soft. And I hate the seven inning stuff. I'm just jumping around quick. But before we go into the seven innings, let's stick with this. I just think that we're getting a little bit soft with the game, maybe it's also the players, but maybe it's the game itself. You know, the common example I brought up before, we'll probably continue to bring up, that everyone will always bring up, is Kevin Cash taking out Blake Snell in game six of the World Series last year. That's the kind of thing. And again, DeGrom's case was a little different because DeGrom's coming off an injury. But I just, I think we're getting a little too soft with baseball. And it kind of ties in with these seven inning doubleheaders. You know, you have you're trying to short the game. You're having these doubleheaders. Last year I understood the seven inning doubleheaders because it was the it was it'll be labeled with the asterisks because it was the COVID season. And you're just trying to get in as many games as possible. It'll everything will have an asterisk only because there was like, oh remember, well, this was the COVID year. So I was under I was okay with You know, playing, that was the time to play around with stuff. You know, the seven-inning doubleheaders and the universal DH and extra innings with runners starting on second, which I still stand by as the dumbest rule in all of sports. That was the, last year was the year, in my opinion, to like play around with that stuff. And the seven-inning doubleheaders, I don't like. I've made my point very clear on the, runners starting on second and extra innings. The universal DH is is inevitable at this point, as it should have always been. But I'm just not a fan of these seven-inning doubleheaders, and it's like, it's not, not I don't want to say babying the players, but I can't really think of a better word than babying the players. Like, we're trying to shorten the games for the fans, but at the same time, it's like, you want to please the fans You don't want to please the people that are there for the hot dog or the drinks or to take the pictures that they can post on Instagram and show off to all their friends. You're not trying to appeal to those people if you're Major League Baseball. You're trying to appeal to the people that are watching at home or are coming in. They are in their seat, watching the game intently, not playing on their phone. Some fans may be keeping score. You know, a family's just having a nice night at the ballpark. Those are the people you are trying to appeal to if you're Major League Baseball. In these seven inning games, they're appealing to the wrong people. And again, this is all in my opinion. They're appealing to the wrong people. I just, It seems like Major League Baseball doesn't want to grow the game. And I don't understand why. There's a play that happened today... Uh, that we'll talk about later that I think was great for baseball it's a little thing but I think it was great for baseball I don't know, I just I don't like these seven inning double adder I would like them when the Mets win them that's always that's the that's ideal but you know that's you're taking away four or in total between the two games you're taking away four innings four innings is what roughly maybe depending on who depending always it's maybe what? 20 to 30 minutes to get through four innings? Are you really saving that? And you're already there for, on average, three hours, let's say for the sake of an even number. Is 20 or 30 minutes really that big of a deal when you're already there for three hours? I mean, three hours is kind of like that threshold that Major League Baseball is trying to get games under the three-hour mark. But if you have a three-hour game, what difference does five or ten minutes make? You know, it doesn't make that much of a, you're not really speeding up the game at all. Like the uh, the first game of the series with the Rockies, that Mets lost, Gomber absolutely shoved against the Mets. That game took comfortably under three hours. That game went by very, very fast. I think it was, what, two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes or something like that. Those games happen, and long games are going to happen. That's just, that's baseball. You know, I was seeing something over quarantine. I'd have to double check to see how accurate it is. But someone did the math somehow and somehow figured out that there is more action per second in baseball compared to football or something like that. I'd have to double check on that. But they were they were saying that comparative to football, per second there's more action in baseball than in football. And again, take that with a grain of salt. I mean I don't remember I'm trying to remember it and I can't remember it exactly. But you get the idea. I just think that Major League Baseball is trying to appeal to there's fan group A and fan group B. Fan group A is the people that actually care about baseball, that are there, they're having a family night out, or they're there watching intently, they're not pay- playing on their phones, whatever the case may be, they're actually there to watch the game. And then there's Group B, who's a much smaller group, but they're still there, that only are there because they care about the food, or the drinks, or the taking the pictures for Instagram, or whatever the case may be. Major League Baseball, it seems like they're trying to appeal to Fan Group B, significantly more than fan group a which it is confusing as to why but I don't know maybe they know something that we all don't know maybe we're all sitting here criticizing it but they have some sort of special data or something that none of us know what it is I don't know but long story short I don't like these seven inning double not a fan of them I think we're getting a little too soft with these guys. These guys are professional athletes, like I said at the beginning of this rant. They're professional athletes; they can handle it. You know, obviously there are some instances that you know it's situational, but it's just you get you get the idea what I'm saying. But the Mets did make a move in lighter news. They acquired Billy McKinney for a minor league prospect. they acquired Billy McKinney from the Brewers, let's try that again, in exchange for a minor league prospect. Great trade for the Mets to get some outfield depth. They just, they had to go outside the organization. They had to. I mean, if I watch Syracuse today, and I've looked at Syracuse's death chart, I've looked in Binghamton's death chart, the Mets don't really have a lot of outfield depth in the minor leagues because all their outfield depth is up with the Major League team because their Major League teams all hurt. So I think getting McKinney was a great move. Uh, he was in the lineup today. I've never heard so many his first hit as a Met. It's just baffled my mind. We're still waiting on Cameron Mabin's first hit as a Met. He tied the franchise record for the worst start up for an offensive player in their Mets career. O, he was 0 for 26. So that's half. We're still waiting on his first Met hit. But this is a very interesting time for the Mets because they have two guys from that opening day. Well, three if you include DeGrom. But since DeGrom only pitches every fifth day, I'll say 2.5. You have 2.5 guys back from your opening day starting roster or starting lineup one through nine that are still playing And the two offensive players, McCann and Lindor are not hitting or playing great right now. They're doing great defensively, but offensively they're just not getting it done right now. It's very interesting. And the fact that they're still have a winning record, they're still in first place. Their pitching has been fantastic this year. It's, Third best, third best in all of baseball. Last time I looked, third best. Their ERA was just over three. The Padres in, I want to say the Giants, might be the Dodgers. Dodgers or Giants, one of the two have, are the only ones that have better ERAs than the Mets. It's just, it's weird. Any other year when the Mets have this many injuries, they're done. They're sitting in last place. Down in the basement with the Marlins. The Marlins, though, the scrappy little bunch is still sticking around in there, and they're going to be a problem. I have a feel all summer long they're going to be a little thorn in the entire NL East because no one's going to expect them to be there, and they're just going to they're just going to stick around, and they're still going to be there. But any other year, the Mets are in the basement right now, and somehow, some way, they're still in, they're still sticking in it. They're still winning. They're still in first place despite all these injuries despite having virtually no more deaths because they have to use all their depth because all their regular everyday guys are hurt. It's, it's wild. You don't see this with the Mets. I don't know what's so different about this year compared to years past. But one guy that won't be coming back for a while is Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. This morning, Noah. It was announced Noah Syndergaard had some inflammation in his elbow. No structural damage, but the inflammation will require him to be shut down from throwing for the next six weeks. So he won't be back at the earliest he could come back is August. Everyone thought was expecting him to come back in the beginning to middle of June. August. That sucks. It is a huge blow to the Mets. However, assuming Carrasco, Taiwan Walker is expected to get activated and come back tomorrow, so now you have DeGrom, Stroman, Walker, David Peterson, and then the fifth guy with nine times out of ten Lucchese and Gesellman tag team and Sean Reed Foley tag team in it. Hang on until with that setup ideally until cookie comes back i'm not a fan of the mets doing this fifth starter is a bullpen game but they really don't have any have many options unless they want to stretch out lucasi a little bit and make him their fifth starter or bring up thomas sapuki from triple a or if they're just going to keep going with the bullpen game every fifth day whatever the case may be they got to find something to some way to work it until Cookie comes back. Because you're not going to have Syndergaard now until August. Cookie hopefully will be back at the end of June, early July. Like he was originally supposed to be back probably in the next couple days. But has now been postponed. It's it's annoying but that's part of the game. And it also brings in another interesting question it brings up. Is what happens to Noah Syndergaard at the end of this offseason? Syndergaard and Conforto are the two key free agents for the Mets this offseason. Conforto, the Mets are definitely going to keep. He's going to come back from this injury and be fine. The Mets are going to sign him probably to a four- or five-year deal. Uh, However much that is, it depends on how he plays this year, but the Mets will keep Conforto. I'm not worried about that. Stroman also will be a free agent. He's the other key free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets made a big push to keep Stroman. I think they should. Syndergaard will be... An interesting case. I'm very interested to see what Noah Syndergaard plays out, especially since he hasn't pitched. And by the time he comes back in August, he wouldn't have pitched in the last two years, just about. So there's no way the Mets are going to give him an extension unless he comes back and is pretty much perfect from August through the rest of the year and into the playoffs should the Mets make it that far. Unless he's just about perfect, he's not going to be getting like a monster extension. I wonder if one of two things happen. Either A, the Mets let him go. Well, the Mets could extend him. I don't think they will. They won't extend him long-term. They very well could, but I don't think they will. They could either let him test free agency, let him walk, let him go, and worry about Stroman and Conforto, or they will... This is the thought I thought of, and I very hoping that the Mets do this. I don't know if they will or not, but I would like to see the Mets do this. Offer Syndergaard a one-year deal worth however much, however much you want to give him, a one-year deal with the idea being this is your prove-it, make-or-break year. We know what Syndergaard is capable of when he's fully healthy, what he can what he could do. He's a top two in any rotation in baseball when he's healthy. Injuries have always plagued him. Find the Mets. This is what I would do. I would give him a one-year deal, worth X amount of dollars, make-or-break year. If it works out, we'll sign you long. T- we'll sign you long-term for a long-term deal, similar to not as much as the Groms, but like a three, four, maybe five, probably a three or four-year deal worth however much. And if it doesn't work out, we'll talk. We'll. Tr- We'll try and keep you, but if you get a better offer, you know, go. You know, if, some, if you want a test-free agency, go for it. I think the Mets should offer him maybe a one-year deal at a discounted rate and say, hey, this is make or break. If we like what we see, we're going to sign you long-term, but we got to see something from you. If we like what we see, you're, we want you long-term. If not, we'll, we're gonna we're going to feel it out and see what happens. I don't think that will happen, if I'm being real. I think the Mets let him test test free agency out a little bit, see what's out there, and they, they, they'll they make him an offer to stay, but I don't know if they, it will be the offer that he wants or what the case may be, but he, he's got to understand. Syndergaard, he already knows this. He, there's no way he doesn't, but you got to know that your demand, the demand for Syndergaard is probably very high, But in terms of money and length of contracts and longevity and all that, Syndergaard's got to know that he's not going to get the deal he probably would have gotten if he was healthy the whole year and pitched to what he's capable of. He's going to be at a discounted rate, shorter-term deal, because he's coming off, by the end of the season, pitching for two months in the last two years. So that'll certainly be interesting to see how that plays out. But we got the rest of Major League Baseball to talk about, starting with well, it's kind of related to the Mets still. Mickey Callaway has officially been fired as the Los Angeles Angels pitching coach and has been suspended from Major League Baseball until after the 2022 season. So, he's fired from being the Angels pitching coach, and now he can also not work for a Major League or Minor League team until the conclusion of the 2022 season. Because, as we talked about at the beginning of... This season with the sexual harassment claims against him with the, you know, the dick pic Mick and the texts that came forward and the women that came forward. I believe it was five women that came forward about Mickey Callaway's behavior. I uh, just almost confused two people again. Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball, came out and said that they finished their investigation and they concluded that Mickey Calloway violated the league's policies so he's fired from the Angels. The Angels suspended him originally, but because there was an investigation and because he denied it any wrongdoing, they could not fire him right on the spot. They have to only suspend him. Now that the investigation is complete and Major League Baseball says they have sufficient evidence, now he can be fired. So before people saying, "Oh, he should have been fired back in February or whenever it was." That's not how it works. If he denies it, and there has to be an investigation, they can only suspend him. The difference is with Jared Porter's situation is because Jared Porter said, yeah, I did it. That's why they were able to fire him on the spot because he ad- admitted to it. He didn't deny anything. Which is very... That's strange. Not often you see accusations like this, sexual harassment claims like this. Not often do you see the person being accused just come yeah I did it not often that's the case but that's a story for another day next up is Giovanni Gallegos of the St. Louis Cardinals this was rather interesting I was very interested by this because so first of all Tuesday uh Joe West set the MLB record for most games umpired and then uh the other day was umping the Cardinals game The second base ump, Dan Bellino, saw something on the brim of Giovanni Gallegos, who's a relief pitcher for the Cardinals, saw something on the brim of his hat. So Joe West went out there, said, hey, what's going on with the hat? And Gallegos said it was sunscreen on his hat. Okay, fine. Joe West told Giovanni Gallegos to switch his cap. He said, okay, if it's sunscreen, either way, switch your cap. Because in his reasoning for saying switch your cap, the direct quote is, the whole point of this is we're trying to protect this pitcher, and he got ejected. We don't want anybody to be accused of cheating or any of that stuff. That he got ejected is not referring to Gallegos, it's referring to Mike Schilt, Cardinals manager. So... Joe West asks Gallegos to change caps. Mike Schilt is furious. Comes out there arguing. Joe West ejects him. Second time that Schilt has been ejected this year. He appreciated... He said after the game Schilt did that he appreciated the intent behind Joe West. Saying, you know, like, I don't want you to get accused of cheating if it's just sunscreen. So let's switch that out. He did not like the enforcement making him switch caps. But... I mean, it defeats. Like, <laughs> why would he go out there and say, hey, what's on your cap? He says sunscreen. Okay. And doesn't make him, like, fix it, get a new cap and fix it. What if it wasn't. It was sent to the commissioner's office either way, the cap was. But let's say. Why? Like, why is. What if there was something on the cap, and Joe West doesn't make him change his cap, then it looks bad on Joe West, it looks bad on umpires, it looks bad on baseball for saying that they're going to enforce this rule about pitchers in pine tar and foreign substances, and then they're not going to actually enforce it. You know, so it's kind of a lose-lose situation for Joe West, but Joe West is a cowboy for a reason, he's been around forever, he doesn't care anymore you know, if he's getting yelled at or whatever the case may be, if he's getting screamed at by managers. But then Schilt said after the fact, this is also a direct quote, let's go check the guys that are sitting there going into, into their gloves every day with filthy stuff coming out. Not some guy before he even steps on the mound with a spot on his hat. Which is per, it's perfectly fair. It's perfectly fair. I understand where Mike Schilt's coming from. I understand where Joe West is coming from. I don't think there was really a loser. The only loser in this situation was Giovanni Gallegos' hat. That was the only... This was... It was the deliver. I guess delivery... That made things fish... That may have caused some stir. So Gallegos comes out there. Joe West says, hey, what's on your cap? Gallegos is like, oh, it's sunscreen. He's like, okay. Cool. But I'm gonna ask you to switch your cap because I don't want you to get accused of having sticky stuff on your head, on your hat, and then people going around calling you a cheater. Okay. Mike Schilt's like, what the freak? I don't why are you singling out my guy? You know, I, I don't think really there was a wrong in this case. I think it was just something that got maybe blown up a little bit more than people were expecting. But it was it was a rather interesting Rather interesting thing to have happen, because if Joe West does nothing, if he goes out there and points it out, and then doesn't enforce anything, then it's a bad look on him and umpires in Major League Baseball, because we wouldn't know it was sunscreen unless Gallegos says that, and then you got people on Twitter, and everyone's like, oh, Gallegos is a cheater, and all this stuff, oh, MLB's making these rules, and they're not actually going to enforce them, and then you got a whole nother dumpster fire on your hands and no one wants, especially Major League Baseball, they don't need any more drama. But they did get some excitement today. (laughs) I mentioned it earlier that we were going to talk about it, and it's this play with Javi Baez. And for those of you who haven't watched it, go on YouTube, go on MLB.com, go wherever you watch baseball highlights, and look up what happened with this Javi play I have never seen anything like this so long story short run around second Javi's up two outs Javi hits it to third they throw to first the first baseman for the Pirates I have no idea who it was instead of just touch it tapping on first it was a weird throw it was in front of the bag so he's right in front of Javi Javi in the first baseman meet face to face and he and th- goes to tag him instead of just touching first base. Javi, being the f- flashy player that he is, runs the opposite, b- runs back towards home plate. First baseman going after And Mostly Contreras is coming around third, coming home. And then the first baseman throws home over the head of Javi Baez to try and get Contreras. Contreras is safe. Nobody's covering first. Javi goes and runs to first. He's safe there, no one's covering second, so he takes off to second. So on a play that should have been a ground ball to third to end the inning, ends up in a run scoring for the Cubs and Javi Bias on second base and no one gets out. First of all, that can't happen. If you're the if you're from the Pirates perspective, that can't happen. I don't know how that happens. But I don't know why he didn't just touch first, but that can happen if you're the Pirates. If you're a Pirates fan, or if you're Derek Shelton, the Pirates manager, rightfully so, you are very upset at that play, because that cannot happen. But from a baseball fan or a Cubs fan perspective, that's a great play. That is that is what baseball needs, is plays like that. Nine, 9.9999 times out of 10, the runner gives themselves up and is tagged out. Javi Baez says, you Noah, know no. I want to be that one that tries to make something happen out of this. I've never seen a play ever like that. Not even like highlight videos from years before I was even born. I've never seen a play like that. That's a once in a lifetime type play. I love it. I think plays like that, that are so unique, are great for baseball because it brings so much attention to it, so much. Like So many fans that don't watch baseball come and watch that, and they're like, wow, because you don't see that. We, baseball needs more plays like that. And I just don't understand it from a Pirates' perspective. How do you let that happen? I don't know why you're just not touching first, or I don't know what happened there. But that was definitely exciting. Definitely go back and watch that play because that was a lot of good excitement for Major League Baseball. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. Mets took three or four from the Rockies with Atlanta coming into town before they head on the road to take on Arizona and the Padres. So they got a lot of NL West matchups coming up. Then they will finish that road trip, I believe, in Baltimore. And then when they come home, I believe it will be the Nationals and Padres. Hopefully more reinforcements are on the rise. Like I mentioned, I watched Syracuse today. Uh, JD Davis is, you know, he's had a little mini setback, not a major one. Uh, Seth Lugo is currently rehabbing with Syracuse. He didn't pitch today, he pitched the other day, though. So he's getting closer to a return, which will be a huge boost for the bullpen, who's been great this year. Everyone's saying the bullpen was going to suck. They've been one of the best things on this team this year. So that's going to wrap it up for today, though. Make sure you subscribe down below, as always. Follow us on RTA underscore pod on Twitter. And thank you guys for tuning in to this week of Raise the Apple. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Hopefully a lot more to talk about and hopefully a lot more good news going on in MET lane. And we will see you then. Let's go METs. Bang, bang, bang. bang, bang. Stop bang, bang won't stop till we're legends.